0: Thanks, Mel. I'm fine. (laughs) Connor, please don't hurt yourself. It it was just coffee. Actual coffee, like the bean juice. (laughs) Oh my
1: god. The bean juice. Oh god, no, 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 (laughs) no. Oh no. Oh god, okay. Calm yourself.
2: Welcome back to My Listen Guys, a monthly podcast about BBC's Merlin, where we talk about the show, the ships, the fans, and the characters. My name is Thomas Pessie. And I'm Miss Snowfox. And today we are back with another character analysis episode, and we are going to talk about the male villains of the first season of Merlin. And for that, we have a guest back with us, and it is Connor, who has been here before. Hello!
1: <laughs> you guys, some of you might not remember Connor, but he came on, on our Moment of Truth episode review, which was a very long time ago now. But we absolutely had a blast having him on, and it was one of the funniest episodes that I've ever recorded. And uh, so now that we're going to be talking about Kanan again, wow. I just insisted that he come on to share his thoughts about
2: Kanan and the Moment of Truth again. So <laughs> yeah. there we go. We'll get to all of that in a minute, but first, let's hear some news. We have a bunch of news to get through, so let's get started. First of all, in December 2019, Merlin will be taken off Netflix again. This might only be temporary while Netflix renews their license, or it might be permanent. We just don't know. Moving on to challenges and other fandom things, Finish That Fick Merlin, a challenge that's going to help you finish your WIPs, started a new round in November. You have until the end of March 2020 to enter your WIPs into the challenge and produce more words and maybe even finish these works in progress. For more information, check out their life journal. This is a reminder that your Merlin Holidays submissions are due on December the 8th so don't forget to post them according to the community guidelines. And last but not least, two announcements for Winter Nights. First of all, there's a check-in on the 25th of November, which is tomorrow if you're listening to this podcast on a day it airs. And secondly, Winter Nights is looking for pinch hitters to help them out in case anyone has to jump ship and won't be able to complete their assignment. Please get in touch with the mods if you can and want to help out. And that has been it for news, which means it's now time for some talkbacks. Woohoo! Woohoo! So our first comment is from Amphigori, who commented on our Mergana shipping episode and said that they found some Mergana fan art which we will be linking to in the show notes of this episode. So if you want to see more Morgana fan art, including the one that I forgot who it was, might've been Lulu talked about the one that's black and white with Merlin and Morgana looking to either side of the, of the screen, they did find that one. So we will definitely link to that as well. And uh, they also had some further fan-out wrecks, which we will include in that post. And our second comment is from archaeologist D, who had something to say about our Lancelot and Guinevere episode, which means I will, take, will let rocks take this one.
1: <laughs> it's actually, I don't even know if it's... That much about the episode, but um Archie said, "I always thought that the live for me line in Sweet Dreams was a callback to the episode. The Sweet Dreams episode wasn't written by the same writer, but I think she was probably aware of what was said in the previous episodes. I mean, I don't really give the greatest credit for anything, so I just am like <laughs> it was I don't know if it was on purpose or what, but uh, I mean, we have had callbacks to other stuff before, but i just I just don't really trust them as far as I can throw them, so I just I I I I guess I quite like to think that she was thinking of Lancelot in that moment, like kind of carrying a part of him with her, like to this new relationship, but I don't know if that's what the writers intended. And I guess Live for Me is such a like it you know, anyone could have come up with that, so it's not like it's super specific like it's not a super specific wording is what I'm trying to get across that you couldn't come up with for like a generic kind of romantic line. It's not like super, um, yeah, it's not, it's not unique. So that's, that was my, my two cents on that.
2: <laughs> Agreed. I also don't trust the writers as far as I can throw them, like not even that far. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It has been a short talk back segment today.
1: Um yeah. <laughs> that is that is creepy.
2: <laughs> I expect that With having Connor back on the episode, the episode is going to become long anyway. Especially (laughs) having me and Connor on the episode together. I expect we'll be talking most of the time about Kanan, my personal (laughs) favorite. I
1: I said to Connor the other day, I was like, we're going to have to be separated, I think. (laughs) We're not going to be allowed to be on here together because we're just going to derail this any possible moment that we can into a spiral of despair. So... Hopefully not, but
2: sounds good to me. Until you do that, (laughs) let me tell our listeners where all they can contact us. Because first and foremost, it is on our website, melissa.paracoproductions.com. You can also just type melissa into Google, it should come right up. If you leave a comment there, we will most likely react to it on air like we did just now, or more in depth, depending on what your comment is. If you don't mind, either way, whether we react to your comment or not, you can leave it in any of these other places I'm going to mention in a second. First, there is Tumblr, where we are also called Merlissen. You can reblog our posts uh, and comment on these. You can reply to the episode posts. You can even send us messages on there. You can tweet at us at Merlissen or send us DMs on Twitter. You can email us at merlissen.podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes where you can rate us and leave us comments if you so wish. And we have a Discord and you can find the invite link on our Tumblr or our website or by messaging either Rox or myself. And that has been all the places, I believe.
1: Yeah, many places. And we probably should talk about our announcement. (laughs) we've opened up recently and by recently I mean like in the last couple of weeks um I don't know how you pronounce it is it kofi or coffee
2: kofi I personally say kofi I thought it was kofi coffee. kofi coffee. we should probably go with kofi not to confuse it
1: with your kind of coffee so yeah this has now kind of been brought to my attention because apparently coffee is my thing it's like my brand on this podcast and I didn't <laughs> I didn't realize that like of course it was coffee like like I knew and I knew it's like buy a coffee coffee but like Marky I'm looking at you this is not something you're going <laughs> to comment on and yes I still expect my listen merchandise please <laughs> so get on that but um yeah so we are now on Kofi Coffee. You can find us at Merlissen. And um the reason why we've chosen to do this is simply because as you guys know, the podcast takes, you know, even though we still just do it once a month, but it takes a lot of uh, a lot of work and it's just very, very uh tiring for us to be doing it like essentially full time still because we still have to do scripts and edit and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, it's obviously uh not a uh a monthly subscription or anything like that if you would like to, I guess you'd call it a tip. If you'd like to tip us uh, for, uh, you know, when you listen to the podcast, if you enjoy the stuff that we talk about and you love Merlin and you love the podcast, um, you can go over there and do it. And it's uh, the way that it works. Those of you who might be f- familiar with other forms like Patreon, it's not like that, it's not a monthly subscription. You just literally go and, as if you are buying someone a cup of coffee, you do a one time payment and you never have to do it again if you don't want to. So that's how it works probably those of you that kind of are in the fan artist communities or have had commissions before and things like that might be familiar with Kofi. Um, I I know I've used it before to tip um, con photographers, for example, uh, rather than like go through some other channels. So it's really kind of useful for fan creators and people creating content and trying to be creative online. And so if you would like to support us, the option is there for you. And of course, I stress it is not an obligation. Merlison will remain a free <laughs> podcast. This is just something that we set up set up, just you know, to even see what the response would be and what the uh and what the interest would be. Uh and you know, like we said, it is completely up to you, but the option is there if you would like to support us. So yeah. Merlissen, we are on Kofi, and the link will obviously be in all of our social media things I'm sure that moment we'll do it as soon as we've sorted out this this episode but um yeah I I don't get involved with the admin I just I'm I'm just the ideas man around here so I'm just sort of like hey we should do a Kofi. oh god all this paperwork <laughs> so there we
2: go well done well done me I'm constantly amazed that you managed to turn anything into at least a five minute monologue. I mean, you know, (laughs) happy days. Okay, now that we've got that out of the way, how about we talk about the male villains of the first season? Indeed. (laughs) I can Mm. can hear (laughs) how excited
1: you are. I'm I'm just thinking about one of them that we need to return to yet again. (laughs) And I'm just,
2: as I was writing the script, I was like, Rox is gonna love talking about him, isn't she? Well,
1: I mean, do I really have to like? I just feel as though a remedy to cure all ills is kind of like the herp. Once you got it, you're never getting rid of it. So I'm just like, every time I think we've moved past this episode, we still have to return to it. We're already on season two. To be fair, (laughs) I think this
2: will actually be the last time we return to it. Unless we get a talk back, in which case we need to talk about <laughs> it I mean, again. We might want to talk about it again when we get to costumes.
0: <laughs> I was literally preparing for this episode okay. and like writing things down, and then I kept being like, what is happening with this? What is this? My favorite <laughs> thing about Edwin is flappy scar. I'm like, "What? It, who let you go out like that?
2: Edwin's <laughs> second on the list. He's not even first. You jumped ahead. Who's first on the list? Valiant. <laughs> I was going to say Valiant. Valiant's
0: the Here we first go. Guy.
2: <laughs> How could you forget Big Brody Valiant? Valiant's got issues, man. Who off screen was best friends with Bradley. I forgot what the actor's name is, but oh. they got on like a uh, house Will
1: Mellor, Will I think, is his name. Yeah, yeah. didn't he oh, and Bradley
2: good. get on really, really well off screen? Of
1: course they did, because they're basically the same person. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they're both lads. <laughs> there's that like uh, uh, clip of Will uh, during all the Valiant filming like he's in a lot of the behind the scenes because like a lot of the video diaries were done from like that block so he's in like all of them even though he's like not important to the show at all and there's like a bit where Angel's filming them and she's like where's your camera Bradley and Will's like he lost it he lost it on purpose accidentally on purpose at a market in Font. <laughs> it's just Bradley's just <gasps> sort of there like I sold it it's like why wow. <laughs>
2: oh my god. <laughs> just, Bradley just yeah. didn't want anyone leaking their sex tapes and that's why he destroyed <laughs> it.
1: Well, Will got kicked out of his hotel apparently, but he wouldn't go into detail on the oh <laughs> behind the scenes. He seat. and Bradley were being too loud,
2: clearly. Oh
1: god. <laughs> what would Colin have to say about that? They weren't
2: they weren't that
1: close yet. Really? Oh, well. So he was <laughs> doing it to make Colin jealous.
2: No, is what <laughs> <Not> <laughs> everything is brawling. It says who? Oh, <laughs> <eight-sided>. <laughs> Listen, I I put up with everything being Mercer on this podcast. No, you
1: don't, because we haven't talked about
2: Murtha for ages.
1: (laughs) What are you talking about? Lance and Gwen, you have to put up with a fair bit, because I mention them all the time. But Murtha aren't even, they're definitely, I mean, I don't know if we'll even be mentioning them today. There's nothing to do with Murtha and these male villains. If there's one thing
2: I have learned about you, is that you can make anything about your OTP, whether it's about them or not i
1: mean i'm pretty sure that's that's like any fan right like otp (laughs) is like a religion you just
2: make everything fit
1: no matter what let's
2: get back to will's and bradley's sex tape that bradley destroyed and that's why he lost his camera
1: that yeah, is now efficient. made canon, officially <laughs> by listen, trademarked and copyrighted. <laughs> copyrighted. Copyrighted. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Sorry. Oh, God. I'm going straight to hell. And <laughs> No, um, you're not.
2: You're not straight. You can't go straight to hell.
1: Damn. You're yeah, you're going queer like, to hell. I can't even do that right. <laughs> <laughs> I can go by hell. Wait, there we go. Uh, all right. right. <laughs> cool. So, um
0: Connor's just like I regret all my decisions up Never. until this point. <laughs> <laughs> you're a terrible influence on this podcast. <laughs> Connor hasn't
2: even said <laughs> much yet. It's been all <laughs> hours. I just giggle.
0: <laughs> i giggle we go places
2: <laughs> that is just what happens when we have guests on we try to impress them with how funny we are <laughs> i don't even i'm not trying to do anything. i'm
1: trying to talk about valiant. Are? Is, are you? that's a very
2: valid question connor are you
1: <laughs> valiant, valiant is Appearing in season one, episode two of Merlin, he is a visiting knight slash noble who comes for the tournament and he becomes an antagonist to Arthur. Like we said kind of um, in our antagonist slash villain discussion more an antagonist than a villain but one of the more interesting parts of his character which I know uh was brought up at the time when we did the episode review was that he's one of the only antagonists or villains in the series that really doesn't have it in for Arthur or Uther like he's just there for his own end like he doesn't really
0: yeah
2: yeah he's just greedy he's just good old-fashioned greedy I love it yeah Exactly
0: yeah that so was like you know, I said, I was just like greed motivated
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah and it's interesting that that happened so early in this like in the series because even in season one yeah most of the vi- I'm actually you know saying that and Nimue has it in obviously for Uther and then Lady Helen or like yeah lady no oh, you know whoever was the bad version of Lady Helen
2: uh, Mary uh, Collins that's the one
1: <laughs> but like you know now that I think about it, like Anhora didn't really have it in for um Anhora is
2: also not a yeah no that yeah it, that's true I don't yeah like I don't really honestly know. the true villain of that episode I think I said it was you know just everything else like everything that happened I mean we we talked about this how author isn't actually. The bad person in that episode, but like yeah, if yeah, anyone was that's going true. to be the antagonist of that episode, it would have been Arthur himself, like his own ego yeah that 's true,
1: but i 'm thinking well i 'm thinking of you know we had the the Griffin in episode five, and we had arthur 's bad decisions in episode eleven, and even the Sophia and Ulrich arc, like, yeah, they had to get to Arthur, but it was again more for their own means, so actually, I feel like this kind of stereotype of everyone's after Arthur kind of maybe it didn't I mean necessarily come about in season
2: one as much as maybe we think it did is what I'm saying yeah I mean Ulfric and Sophia did go specifically after Arthur it was for selfish uh reasons but most of like Mary Collins also went after them for selfish reasons Nimue went after them for kind of selfish reasons like I mean, I should have maybe, uh, sorry, I should have been more specific. I mean, like,
1: they're not going after him for revenge. Like, they need Arthur because he's a prince. They don't care that it's Arthur, like any prince would have done. It just happened to be Arthur. Whereas, like, Nimue and Edwin and these other people.
2: Well, it was was Arthur because he happened to live near the Gate of Avalon. Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's fair.
0: <laughs> and they're like, well, we'll bring you the greatest prince of all, like the Prince of Camelot. So he just, by being the Prince of Camelot, gets into trouble, but it's not like Arthur as a person. It's just kind of his position.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, uh, whereas Valiant just doesn't really care about either
2: of them is just there to,
1: (laughs) to win something um but yeah I am I am very surprised though like that he I mean and this kind of I think just shows that it's still quite a kiddie show at this point because for me like any grown man that has two brain cells to rub together would know it's just the risk outweighs the reward like how much money could you possibly win in this tournament and how much glory are you really gonna get by you know when you could risk getting caught murdering other knights and then end up being executed like to me that just seems a little bit um unbalanced I don't know like like he could have just hired you know, thugs to go and rob someone if he wanted that money,
2: you know what I mean? That would not be becoming of his station as a probably noble.
1: Yeah, but no one would find out. And nobles do, you know, shady stuff all the time. Like, that's kind of their thing, isn't it? I feel like
2: Valiant has some really warped sense of, you know, what is right and, like, what he's... What he's not allowed to do but like what his due is yeah and like just robbing people would be like in his mind would be beneath his station but killing a bunch of other knights including the prince of camelot like that's definitely not beneath his station somehow that's
1: true Yeah, I mean, he
2: does like because he says
1: to Uther and and this is a this is a problem with a character like Valiant is because you don't actually know how much you can even believe anything that he says because he's obviously there for his own purposes. So anything he says could just be an outright lie or it could be the truth. But it just so happens that, you know, he's putting on a persona because he says to Uther, oh, as my lord said, which I assume is his father, he says, as my lord said, to lose is to be disgraced. So he's got that male ego thing going on for sure, which is why he and Arthur clash so much, I think, in this episode. Because Arthur has a bit of an ego. What? So when he... Yeah, I know.
2: (laughs)
0: Since when? Never.
1: So when when he meets another one like him, he's... But I think that whereas, you know, and maybe we should talk about like the differences between them, because obviously we like Arthur, like even though Arthur is still a bit of a dick in the first few episodes, like as a viewer, you still in this situation, you still kind of are on Arthur's side, even though we don't even know him that well yet. And I guess what is it about the differences between them that that? does that do we automatically know from meeting arthur you know and his interactions with merlin that he's like a bit of a lovable dick like he's not really like all that bad or is it just because valiant just he's got a suspicious look about him
0: yeah (laughs) i I would say he's like very much framed as the villain and you're also dealing with a show that was like this is authorian legend and this is arthur so i think from the get-go you're kind of like well, he can't be all that bad because he's supposed to be Arthur. We
2: know that Valiant. We know that Valiant is a bad guy because the opening opening scene shows him getting this shield and then immediately using it to kill the guy who made him but the that's shield. True. Yeah. So, that's like, true. that's the that's the first thing we learn. Also, I don't remember it exactly, but I feel like it was like when the music starts playing as he rides the Camelot. That's really fucking ominous.
0: Yeah, that like deep baritone song.
2: <laughs> like I yeah. love that. I love that score that they put on him. You know, but like that's just music telling us this is a bad dude. This is true. Oh. <laughs>
1: this is very true. He's not. Yeah, we're definitely being told in subtle ways. But I just. What I really find interesting is how well Uther takes to Valiant, though. Oh, because Uther is like, oh, I'm so impressed with you and you should come play more often. And Arthur's just in the corner like... Nah. <laughs> <laughs> like just...
2: Arthur is just exhibiting like all the signs of jealousy. He's like, how dare this guy schmooze up to my own father? How dare my father be so nice to this guy? I am his son. He should be complimenting me. That's that's just the whole thing. And also for the, you know, for the armor shippers, Morgana is also very taken with Valiant. I I was about to mention this because
1: I don't, I mean, I look, I know that my taste in guys isn't really something that anyone takes seriously on this podcast or otherwise. But, like, I just look at Valiant and I'm like, God, what are you doing? And, like, the only thing I can think of is that she's just completely bluffing to get Arthur to just get on with it and do something. Because I cannot fathom how a woman like that would look twice at a guy like him. I mean, he's not, like, I mean, he's fine. Like, he's passable ish but he's just so not okay. like you
2: know you like you put him next to bradley and you're like i think oh. i can explain that okay <laughs> yeah. brace yourselves it has to do with
1: please hockey please do
0: okay
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay that's fine oh
2: yeah your russian boy yeah, not, yeah. Ju- not just him um. No, the thing is that you know there's such a thing as being attracted to people who are good at what they do. Yeah, that's true.
0: That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And so Morgana is someone who also likes to, you know, swing a sword, fight, yeah. do all of this stuff. So I would imagine that she does find it attractive attractive when someone is seemingly skilled in doing all of these things. Yeah, It also doesn't hurt that Valiant is like, you know, big buff and also Mm -hmm. really good at sword fighting. At least that's what it looks like. We only find out later that he's been using magical snakes to kill his opponents and to cheat. And then obviously he immediately becomes unattractive to everyone. Um, But like that is basically what's happening here. It's competency porn.
1: Yeah, that is Okay, yeah, that is true, that is true. And also, I guess he does kind of have that whole, oh, I'll do whatever it takes to win if we get to escort, you know, my lady to... And I think it is one of those things that, like, fair enough, even, and I, you know, I, I'm i embarrassed to admit it, but even if the dude was like, ah, like, if someone said something like that to me, like, oh, so uh, what's the prize, like, we get to escort you to the tournament and you know she's like yes he's like then i'll do whatever it takes to win and there is a party that kind of goes (laughs) you know like so yeah that's fair but then i would have immediately looked twice and then gone oh no actually do i really want him (laughs) escorting me
2: like the words the words penetrate and then they leave but that's also because he is massively not your type
1: He's like, yeah, you could, you couldn't get further, really. (laughs) Like, let's be honest. But also, like, again, because we know Morgana is like in love with Arthur, and you think, I mean, they're so different. Maybe it's a personality thing. Maybe she's into personality as opposed to looks because they don't look anything alike. So, yeah, that's something
2: that I'm. Are you trying to say that Morgana of the early season one just likes assholes? Like asshole character times not. I was gonna say we need to, we need to be careful. Not literal asshole. I mean she might like <laughs> literal assholes. I'm not king shaming.
1: Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Don't you judge her. <laughs>
0: she's <laughs> she's bitter enough.
2: <laughs> at first I was gonna say that she's into dicks, but that's also
0: <laughs> Also not probably
2: true. <laughs> Maybe she likes both. <laughs> <laughs> assholes and dicks. <laughs>
0: She's
2: all over I th- <laughs>
1: That's what we should rename this podcast, really. <laughs> um,
2: th- no, it's our new tagline. Welcome to Melissa Guys, a podcast about assholes and dicks. So,
1: Morgana, I think, is probably into, like, an attitude, if you know what I mean. I think that's probably w- what, like, where her attraction to, I mean, look, I don't want to make this into an armor thing, but I think like Morgana's attraction to Arthur, I think like the actual real love feelings obviously come from the person that she knew as a child and the kind person. And I have a million headcanons about Arthur's childhood and, you know, kind of as he changes throughout the years, but I won't go into that. But I think she definitely, you know, has, has seen the real Arthur more than anyone else, you know, maybe Uther, but he's not that in tune with Arthur. But I think there is a part of her that enjoys that back and forth kind of like banter and kind of Arthur being not too much of a dick, but a little bit bitey. And so I think probably she saw that with Valiant. But at the same time, Valiant compliments her and is nice to her, whereas when Arthur, you know, walks up to her, he just starts uh insulting her because he doesn't know how to talk about his feelings <laughs> so i think it definitely helps that valian is like arthur but he's more polished and he actually has a grip on you know how to talk to a woman whereas arthur is just completely clueless i mean look how he behaves right after valian you know has spoken to morgana and he's like oh i don't see you as anything to be jealous of and it's like <sighs> really <laughs> so <laughs> I, yeah, that's kind of where I think maybe she's looking at Valiant, but I still have to say I I judge her for it slightly. <laughs> just like, please, you can do better.
2: <laughs> okay. Do we have any further thoughts on Valiant? Connor?
0: I wish I had anything to say. I did, I was curious. <laughs> well, because I was watching it and I was like, he... I can't tell if he's like still a knight from wherever he came from, or if he was like basically dishonorably discharged and sent away for being such an asshole. Um, Because he kind of has that vibe. (laughs) You can't be discharged for being an asshole, isn't? For being a knight, like, or dick, just in general. But I'm like, (laughs) what did he do? Like, why is he? He might have had an dishonorable discharge
2: if he did something shady. (laughs) <laughs> might have been.
0: Yeah, like, why does why is he escaping? Not escaping to Camelot, but why is he so willing to take up Uther's? Like, you should stay here if he has a place to go back to. Also, in a place where he's like, I'll bring magic to Camelot. It might
2: be a uh, what's it called? A hedge knight? Is that what they're called? Like, a, uh, like a wandering knight, sort of. Maybe a knight for hire. A highwayman. <laughs>
0: Well, it's also trying to take history into the show, and that just never works.
2: (laughs) No, we've already tried that. (laughs) You've tried that. I never attempted to. (laughs) We
1: did kind of try to explain the concept of knighthood as it was in reality versus how we see. Because like we said, knights essentially in Merlin are part of the military. Like They they are the military, and yet at the same time, they're the military, but they also behave like fictional knights in the sense that their job is to entertain and put on these tournaments so essentially the knights of camelot in merlin are both the military and athletes
0: (laughs) just to save money
1: yeah but it's true yeah but i'm right you know like (laughs) they are soldiers but then when they're not soldiering they're athletes they're playing games and they're putting on tournaments like that's literally it so it's a very bizarre combination so valiant clearly doesn't have a war to fight right now they're in peacetime so he's doing his moonlighting as an athlete and he's trying to make them dollars so he's going to camelot to try and feed his his starving children (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) <laughs> well, we're trying to create a backstory for a character because God knows the writers didn't bother.
0: <laughs> they did not.
1: <laughs> they did not. I mean,
2: I, I mean, you guys can come up with anything better? Or... <laughs> really. uh, no.
0: And
2: like I said, just personal greed. He just wanted to buy himself yeah. something.
0: Fancy or shield. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Listen, his shield was already pretty fancy.
0: <laughs> this time with the dragon on it.
1: <laughs> he was he wanted an upgrade. He wanted the sports <laughs> model. <laughs> he, he was just looking for those it.
2: achievements.
1: <laughs> he wanted to level yeah. up.
0: Yeah, obviously.
1: Okay, Well, we we are leaving
0: He's such a great villain, clearly.
1: <laughs> Let's leave Valiant behind. Valiant, we shall leave you in the past. Yeah, yeah we shall leave him behind where he belongs. And,
2: uh... and we'll move on to Rox's favourite god
0: yeah
2: here it comes let's talk about edwin him of episode 106 a remedy to cure all ills
1: Look, before we get started, I just want to point out, I don't actually think that a remedy to cure all ills is is a, is a a terrible concept. I've said it on the podcast that I think it's a really cool idea and I desperately want to know more about what happened in the past. And I don't think it's a bad idea to have a character from the prequel that never was show up and kind of give us a bit of exposition about what... Gaius was like and kind of throw a bit of shade on him and not make him such a perfect character my problem with Edwin is just he's really creepy and he wears a dress that definitely doesn't have underwear underneath and I just find him really creepy and he's like got a weird face that makes which ah, I just find him very unsettling to watch I don't know why but he's just and like the way he's like all cutesy with merlin trying to get him uh no i don't like him i just find and, and maybe that's what we're supposed to
2: feel i don't know if we're supposed to trust him No, i mean that's a that's a thing i briefly want to talk about is that they use edwin's scars as sort of a way to tell us Like, in in the whole way that he is set up as a character with how he's introduced and everything, we just get this feeling that this guy, you know, just with, like, like, just they told us with subtle visual and audible cues that Valiant is a bad guy. We also get this impression pretty much right away that Edwin is not exactly who he claims to be or that there's something shady about him. And it really bothers me that he has like this huge scar tissue on his face, not because I'm bothered that he had something traumatic happen to him or that I have to look at scars because that really isn't it. What bothers me is this depiction of someone with, um, you know, a visible, like, I want to call it disability or like, you know, just visible damage done to them. It's like yeah. cast as the bad guy, because this is something, and I know this show is from 2008 and they weren't as woke yet as they are now, but honestly, <sighs> this could happen just as well in a show now, um, 10, 11 years later. Yeah. And because it's it true. does keep happening, <clears throat> is that just people with, um, with these kind of visible scars who are like, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, is there a word? There, there is a word. Like just physical deformities. Deformity, yeah, which is kind probably a bit I derogatory. I was looking for a yeah. less derogatory word,
0: a nicer word.
2: <laughs> um, it,
1: I, I don't think there's an alternative word, is there for deform? Let's
2: let's go with maimed. Oh, that's a good one. Or or disfigured. I don't know if disfigured is 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 better than deformed. You guys get what I... Should we just call it an ailment? Yeah. We know what
1: we mean. Yeah. Or just <laughs> scar. We can just call it a scar. Yeah, let's that's, that's just keep going with
0: scars. <laughs> yeah, there is this connotation that, like, anyone who's, like, scarred up has some kind of terrible past and must clearly be a bad person, and it's like...
2: No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the only the only exception we have to that is Harry Potter. And honestly, his scar, mm. like... I mean in the movies it it's just depicted face. as tiny. <laughs> so, you know, it's not even like he it's can like- he can comb his hair over it and then it's gone and no one knows it's there. But like with yeah. like Edwin doesn't have that option. Edwin's like half his face is just scar tissue. And the show Yeah in part uses that to tell us that he's a bad person whom we can trust, who's a bit creepy. Like Let's not let's not pretend that that scar tissue isn't part of what we find creepy about him. You know, it's just, it's unsettling. Like, looking at him, it's just, yeah. at first, you're, you're a little bit shocked because you're not used to seeing someone with massive scar tissues on their face. Yeah, that's true. And they just, they use this, they use this in a way to make us more afraid of him. And that's just wrong. That's true. That's true.
0: Uh, they talk about it to him as well, which is just... I don't know, it seems socially bizarre that they're just like, "Hey, tell me about your scar and how you got it and where it came from." Like, no, no, don't, you don't get to just ask that question, guys. What, what? I mean,
1: I think it's one of those things where again, if we're trying to talk about historical accuracy, like, <laughs> you know, people people would have found it, you know, kind of either abhorrent or intriguing, yeah, and kind of been yeah. like, "Oh, w- you know, um, why, you know, because i mean obviously his his is you know something that happened to him in life you know but um then you know if you had some kind of physical disability or anything like that or or anything that was kind of um unusual about your body you know it was often thought you know that you were kind of being punished by god like you know before you'd been born sort of thing so it's you know it it would have been very normal for people to be wary of that because they did genuinely believe it they were genuinely superstitious like that so they would have been like oh well this well this person's bad news because clearly they've been punished for it even before they have been alive sort of thing you know but um yeah but the
2: thing is that would have made sense and then it would have been great if it had turned out that edwin isn't actually someone you need to mistrust yeah but also uh, none of the characters do find like they are curious about his scar tissue but they don't mistrust him yeah. yeah. Like, it's just the audience who doesn't trust him. And that's because we, as the audience, know a little more and we have different clues in the way the story is told than the characters in the story have. And none of the characters in the story, in this supposedly medieval setting, are unsettled by his scars or are like mistrustful of him because of them. Yeah, that's
1: true. I mean, truth be told I think what creeps me out most about Edwin is more his behavior because I think a he he has a very kind of suspicious way of moving and a way of speaking like he's like too softly spoken for me um also just the way that he goes about his plan like the whole thing with the insect in the ear thing that creeps me out like that he created like a brain hemorrhage like in Morgana sort of thing like that to me is just kind of like that's what really made me go "Ah." like when I first saw it and I was like he did that I was like no (laughs) that's so wrong yeah
2: oh yeah for sure like the the bugs the bugs definitely are the thing that creep me out the most as well because that's like my worst nightmare
1: yeah. And like, I think also because he, because um, I have like a thing about fire, like I'm quite frightened of fire and like the idea of burning and stuff. So for me, like, I think, obviously, I don't actually remember my reaction to the episode the first time because I would have watched it like over 10 years ago at this point, but... With the real, like, you know, knowing what the episode actually is, I think what creeps me out about his scar, it's not necessarily the scar itself, but it's knowing how he got it, that he, uh, you know, spoiler alert, you know, that he ran into... Ooh ran ran onto the pyre essentially where his where his parents were being executed and that's how he got burned which like that to me just conjures up such a horrendous image that that's i think what makes me really unsettled about looking at his face is knowing where it came from and then the fact that he's willing to cause the same kind of damage to Gaius as well. Like, like there are so many things about his character that really scare me. And I'm just
2: like, let's talk about Edwin's pain. It's terrible because what happened to him um, is that, you know, his parents were known sorcerers and Uther had them burned at the stake. And Gaius did nothing to prevent this, which is why Edwin hates Gaius. And Edwin, who was just a, a young child at the time, ran towards the stake where his parents were already burning and tried to get to them, to free them. And that's where his his face was was burned. And I think it probably was Gaius who held him back. I feel like yeah, but maybe. like I feel like that's at least my headcanon I don't know if that's confirmed in the episode I don't think it is
1: no it's not he just says at least merlin doesn't have a son who would try to rescue them from the flames that's all he says but i mean my my thought thought process on this is that i'm surprised that as soon as he tried to free them that someone didn't just throw him on there with them i never because like that because yeah. that sounds to me like something that, you know, they wouldn't have a problem with doing. You know, the son son of known sorcerers
0: considering he drowned children. Yeah.
2: Um it it probably wasn't confirmed that he has magic. Like, isn't it also that um, Uther believed or that like most people believe that magic is something you need to learn rather than something that you have well
1: more to do with like I would have thought that it would have been more punishment for the fact that he's uh, against the king's ruling like he's trying to free the, uh, free the sorcerer sort of thing
2: I feel like and this is again this is total headcanon but maybe Gaius actually argued in favor of Edwin yeah, I was like look husband he's just a child he saw his parents burning obviously he didn't understand what was happening like we don't have I mean look the purge happened 20 years ago when Edwin comes to Camelot to kill Uther we don't have an actual reference of how old Edwin is supposed yeah. to be and therefore we don't have a reference of how old Edwin was when his parents yeah. were murdered so, it might have been that he was really a young child, mm. and that you know he really didn't understand what was happening and that's why Gaius was able to argue in his favor that you know he didn't understand what was happening. He's a young boy, he doesn't understand what's going on, he only meant to to go to his parents to save his like he saw his parents in pain, and he wanted to to save them or he wanted to rescue them let's cut him some slack basically and I feel like Uther you know father of a tiny baby boy might have felt sympathy in that moment and been like okay I suppose I can get that
1: yeah I mean I find it hard to believe that Uther in that state of mind at the time would have been able to been reasoned with we know he drowned children um yeah. at the time of the purge and we can see what his reaction was to Mordred who is a young child and yeah Mordred obviously was confirmed druid but still you know at at this point, it was also 20 years later. So you would have think you would have, you know, had a bit more of a cooling off period. But I just I think that for me is the one thing I wish I knew a bit more about because it feels like there are bit there are gaps in the plot here because, yeah, it's like child of whatever age running to save his uh parents and you know got you know close enough to doing so that he has a scar tissue that hasn't healed in 20 years so I don't know how far he got I don't think he was I don't think he got that scar by just standing by the flames to be honest with
2: you no no he definitely ran into them he definitely caught on fire himself
1: yeah so my so my 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 question is you know Uther would have been overseeing these executions i assume and i'm just surprised that he just stood there and was like yeah like he's all right he's not a threat he won't grow up to resent me <laughs> you know <laughs> like i'm just a bit like what i mean yeah it you know and like i I I love Uther as a character but even I will say that I like for me I don't see him giving much mercy in that in that moment but I can also see your point that maybe he just thought he had more important things to worry about um essentially but I am really curious as to yeah, like who, who saved Edwin because I don't really see the Camelot guards really doing much to pull him out of the fire, and obviously people who would have been watching would have been civilians and frightened. So yeah, it would have either been Gaius yeah. or
2: I I think it was Gaius, and I think that um I'm gonna bring up an analogy that is going to make many people probably angry. Um, but like even some Nazi generals were known to spare someone's life, like a child's yeah. life or woman's life or someone's life, just because, you know, on a whim, because yeah. they felt that they that they should spare someone for whatever reason. And I feel like maybe that's what happened with Edwin. Yeah. When guy is arguing. There's him. a line like
0: that in Doctor Who. Right. Uh, when he talked like in the first series where it's like oh you save one just so that when you kill the others you feel better because you saved just that one yeah which and i would assume it would have to have been gaius or some other medical professional to save him from fire because if he just like ran out of the fire he probably would have died from his burns without help so it probably was gaius
1: yeah Yeah.
0: because he says in the episode like did i treat you for those scars and edwin's like No, but is that true? Or was he just being cagey so Gaius didn't catch on to who he was?
1: I think Gaius would have remembered treating Edwin. Come on. That's fair. I mean, but like Merlin.
2: (laughs) I think he does remember treating Edwin. It's just that I also think that, you know, that he doesn't immediately clock on to the fact that they're the same person. Like maybe he doesn't remember Edwin's name. He might remember treating him
0: like that same scholar
2: he might remember his last name maybe yeah he does doesn't he because doesn't he
1: mention the last name because that's how he figures out who his parents are i didn't rewatch the episode
2: yeah. because i just can't bring myself to you. No, <laughs> but i think that's what it is like edwin at first edwin uh like i think gaius remembers treating a boy with with yeah, burn true. Uh with burn wounds. And that's why he asks Edwin and Edwin says, no, that's not me, or whatever it is he says. And Gaius remains suspicious because he has an inkling that maybe it was him. You know, that's why he keeps doing research about it. Gaius is suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> Since when? Since when
1: <laughs> Gaius' suspicion is what probably saves their asses a lot of the time, to be honest with you. <laughs>
2: Yeah. So, yeah. I would say it probably was Gaius who at least treated his wounds, probably also pulled him out of the fire. And, you know, it's just that Edwin tries to go anonymous in Camelot. Unfortunately for him, he's not very forgettable. (laughs) So, even if it takes Gaius' very old brain. A bit longer to remember something that happened twenty years
0: ago. He does remember. Yeah. He like yeah. goes to the archives to get the information. And he's like, "Oh, you used your mother's maiden name, which is not a very smart move if you're trying to like avoid the police." Come up with a whole new name, Edwin. But nope.
2: Yeah, Edwin should have just changed his first name at the very least. But he clearly kept his like everything about himself the same. And I'm just like, Edwin, please. <laughs>
1: be smarter um well I mean let's let's talk a bit about then like the whole um Edwin and Merlin dynamic and kind of his motivations there because I mean do we do we feel like he had any um Kind of uh uh what's the word I'm looking for um non non suspicious motives f- uh, with Merlin, do you feel like he would have actually wanted to teach him anything or kind of take him under his wing or anything or or like was he just kind of like oh this is all right to pass the time <laughs> like until I can get to guys
2: would have I think he would have liked to actually teach Merlin. I just don't think that like he would have wanted to teach Merlin. Only the nice stuff. Yeah.
0: I yeah. Feel like if he like a partner in crime, he would have like trained him more on like the darker magic that his parents
2: Yeah. Like. Exactly. Exactly. He would have definitely trained him on an up to be a bad guy. <laughs> you know. Just totally gaslighting him, manipulating him into becoming his little minion.
1: Well this is really interesting actually because we haven't touched upon that yet, but obviously regardless of what Edwin's involvement was which obviously was none because he was a child but Gaius does say you know his parents were in a way like and I use this word very loosely but rightfully executed because they were actually practicing dark magic and they were actually bad people which you don't really expect because I don't know why but I feel like there's this kind of like you know, when you think of the word like parent and it's nurturing and it's good and it's kind and you 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 forget that parents are just people, you know? But like because they're referred to as as parents, you think, oh well they must have been wrongly executed and actually Gaius, you know, shed some light on the subject. He's like, no, they were actually practicing (laughs) really bad stuff. And that's why they were killed. And I guess I'm really curious as to where Edwin got the taste for that kind of magic, because, you know, unless he was old enough to already be influenced by his parents, but if not, I wonder where he, like, who took him in? Like, where did he go after he was
0: an orphan, you know? Yeah. And I, like, I assume if they were wherever house they were staying in, it was probably ransacked. So all of the notes and things probably didn't survive the purge. So we're, you know, merlin coming up with concise backstories
1: (laughs) yeah well this but this is but this makes it even more incredible that he survived at all because regardless of his knowledge of magic but i'm like you know i'm trying to think the uh, the way uther would have thought but it's like son of known sorcerers two sorcerers practicing dark magic like no way is he surviving this purge like, he would have been dumped down the well with the rest of them. So I'm just like, how, how has this kid managed to survive this purge with everything that we know about his family history? It, it's so weird. Uh, we needed
0: a villain for this episode. <laughs> we, needed
1: a we needed a villain with a motive. Never mind that the motive is full of plot holes, damn it. <laughs>
2: We'll just squeeze him into the birds. Yeah, I mean, I, I stick by what I said yeah. earlier. That um he was probably rather young still at the time. And that Gaius was able to argue in his favor and be like, to Uther, like, listen, he's just a little kid. He doesn't know anything about what his parents did. All he saw was his parents, whom he loved. And he was trying to save them. So let's make sure that he's, um, you know, that he survives. And then Uther is gracious enough and lets this one let's this one yeah. live. And then I assume guys make sure that little Edwin is taken in by a family. Yeah. Any family. And then he, he grows up in that family. But as we learned from, from watching the show, not every magic has to be taught sometimes people just have magic so i'm assuming edwin maybe just had magic and you know he was he was a small child but he does remember very vividly that his parents were burned and he finds out later why they were burned because he goes looking for answers and he finds them and then he's like okay now i'm gonna learn some magic to take revenge yeah Probably. That's true.
1: That's true.
2: That's what I'm go- going with. Yeah, anyway. maybe
1: he kind of yeah found out about their past and then learnt magic. Yeah, for the purposes of uh, of uh, revenge.
0: I will say, like a yeah. question that I have about Edwin in terms of being a villain it's like you say how much he creeps you out. Like he's unsettling. Would that in turn make him? technically a better villain in terms of the show even if his plot is kind of like weak does his creep factor work as a villain or is it just like yeah
1: I think so I mean he's He definitely does what he's supposed to do, you know, but I do think that there is a part, you know, like, I'm not saying that there are no redeeming qualities, because like I said, our protagonist likes him. And when the protagonist likes someone, then we immediately have to start second guessing ourselves. That's the rules. So it's kind of interesting to me that merlin is really taken with him and then we think oh maybe he's not so bad maybe he was like you know maybe his backstory is tragic and then the backstory is tragic but it turns out that actually
2: we were (laughs) we were conned oh my god i'm just i'm just thinking of uh brooklyn (laughs) 99 and jake going cool motive still murder (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly.
1: That gift is very, very re- relevant here right now. Um, so yeah, I just, I just feel as though we're kind of tricked into second guessing ourselves, and then we find out that the backstory is in fact tragic, like we thought, and then we're actually kind of dropped on our asses when we realise the parents were actually evil all along so it's yeah it's it's really really interesting to me and my I mean I want to know why they were dabbling in that shit to begin with I mean why couldn't like what like what like what were they trying to do you know and like what were what was their goal like why they decided to go down that road it's yeah it's um I I mean I have said for a very long time that I wish we had like a bit of a prequel arc to this show I mean in a way I'm glad that we don't because like I said I um I uh, I can't watch anything to do with like burning or torture like I just physically can't watch it so that's a big big no. And that's probably why we never got flashbacks because like we got like you know drowned children ghosts but we couldn't show drowning children and we also are not going to be showing burning at the stake because that would not be pre-watershed
2: in the slightest. Yeah. <laughs> um so. I mean what I will say is they could have like I I don't remember on on what episode I said this before. But what I would have liked is if they, at least for a season or two, had done something where they have like a little flashback at the beginning of the episode with something that happened in the past. And then, you know, the consequence for that unfolding throughout the episode that we're about to watch. Yeah, I would have loved that. Where that is relevant. I mean, obviously, it wouldn't have worked for an episode like, you know, um, Valiant. For example, but I mean, we could have gotten some backstory to Valiant being kicked out of whatever kingdom he worked for before. Anyway, they could have shown something of you know them the the evils like the sorceress being burned at the stake, but the audience doesn't know that they're evil sorceress yet. We just know like we we get told that they're sorceress that they're being burned at the stake, like Uther on his balcony watching them being tied to the stake, them shouting, let us go. What have we ever done to you? Something like that. Ufla being like, you are convicted of being sorceress and therefore you shall burn. And then just as the as the pyre is lit, there is like someone steps in front of the camera and that's how the flashback ends. Yeah, that
1: would have been
0: awesome. For example.
2: Then. And then we wouldn't know that they had a child we wouldn't know that um they were evil we just knew that they were burned at the stake and then it brings up whole new questions of who Edwin is is Edwin maybe one of them who managed to escape after all for example is Edwin another one who got nearly burned at the stake yes that's a really good one Something like that. You know, especially if you have like several stakes in the courtyard, which I could imagine that they were like that Uther didn't just do this for two. Oh no, they would have been that they had like a mass burning going yeah. on. So you wouldn't necessarily know that that we were focused on these two people. It could have been a bunch of people and all of them shouting. That would have happened for sure. So you know, it's it could have been done.
1: Yeah, that's definitely.
2: In a way that wouldn't actually make you watch someone getting burned at the stake. Well, also something that
1: kids could... Well, but then again, I don't know, because I feel like this was still a bit... Uh, I mean, then again, we had that pseudo-beheading, but it was still very PG, like, literally... I don't think there was even sound effects. It was just... Oh,
2: maybe, I mean, maybe was. Gaius was supposed to be burned in, what was it, season two? Two, yeah,
1: but... Yeah, yeah that's true and like, yeah I mean I think that you're right I think that we could have definitely had something like that that wouldn't have actually made it you know um and yeah. like I'm not even thinking of my own sensibilities like it just wouldn't have made it to tv like it wouldn't have been allowed to but I'm. Yeah. Um, I think what you're saying is really cool and I would have loved to have that like you said across a lot of different episodes so for example like the timelines could have all been jumbled because of course we don't want to reveal the spoiler about Arthur's birth until the story is ready for us to know that but for example in the pilot we have Uther talking about maybe one day I'll find love again you know when he's talking to Lady Helen and you could easily have like a five minute flashback to him and Igraine courting when they were younger for example and, and a younger Uther and then we note oh this must be Arthur's mother or like whatever and then you know in
2: uh and you could have yeah. even have had a scene, like several. Like if if you're gonna make it a five minute flashback, it has to be a montage of several yeah. scenes throughout their relationship. So you have them like first meeting, a bit of courting, a snapshot of their wedding, yeah. them being happy while Igraine is pregnant, and then Uther being devastated when she's dead. Like Uther being at her deathbed and and basically. Breaking. Well, my
1: thought was more kind of like the audience just kind of pieces things together throughout the season. So, in that moment, say we would have just one scene, maybe them, maybe Uther and Grain just meeting or Uther and Igraine during their courtship, just like a single scene. And then, um you know, in a different episode, we have a flashback to a different part of the story, like with Edwin, where all of a sudden we're uh like 5 or 10 years down the line and Uther's burning sorcerers and Igraine's already dead and then in Excalibur we have a flashback to further back in the timeline but further forward than the pilot where Igraine is you know giving birth and stuff like that and so we kind of have the jumbled pieces but not in order necessarily so i think that would be quite yeah. quite fun but that's just not the story they were interested in telling but it would have made it really interesting for sure
2: yeah, absolutely. Sort of
1: like what they did with. Um, I mean, I haven't watched Lost, but I know it's sort of like that. But they did it on Once Upon a Time, like where the fantasy storyline, like from the actual fairy tale world, is sort of related to the real world storyline. Yeah, or like on Medici. They also did it
2: really well on Psych. For example, mm-hmm. where every episode starts with a flashback, and then sometimes you have a second scene throughout the episode or like at the end of the episode okay. to just round it all out, they also did it in part in the first season of leverage mm-hmm. um where they would have like they shot one really long or re- really a relatively long scene of one character's backstory like a tragic event in this character's backstory Mm. and then throughout the throughout the first season you only ever get snapshots like one or two seconds snapshots of that scene and in the final episode you get the whole thing Ah, that's awesome that's awesome yeah yeah, they
1: could have definitely done some interesting structural changes to kind of and it would have i i honestly think it would have benefited our villains but i think like It's always very easy for me to forget that Merlin is a very simplistic idea, like it's just supposed to be simple Saturday night entertainment and, you know, people weren't getting experimental.
2: Every single example that we've given are American TV shows, none of them are British TV shows.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to, yeah, that's true.
2: Clearly, British TV shows just haven't figured out how to do this yet.
1: <laughs> Medici is that a European studio or is that American production? Do we know? I think
2: I think it's an. I can look it up. It's definitely an Italian co-production.
1: Yeah, I thought so. But again, that's like a really unique way where we do get the past and the, like that. That is like I think what we've brought up in the past, where Medici is sort of like an example of what could have been Merlin, but and but then again, I. Yeah. I know I care about Uther and Gaius and we care about their story to an extent because we're invested in the show, but the general audience wants to know about Merlin and Arthur. And I think that it's, it was probably smart for them to, yeah, they developed these characters because Anthony Head and Richard Wilson are extremely good at what they do. And it would have been a shame not to make them more three-dimensional, but this is Arthur and Merlin's story and so it would probably have felt like hang on why are we spending so much time on Uther and a grain who like aren't really part of it but yeah. I think because they're because Arthur's origin story as it were is so like interesting and it's so um kind of steeped in tragedy like everything that could have gone wrong and everything that could have been misunderstood was that it's a shame that we couldn't have seen more of it but it would yeah like it probably would have detracted from Merlin and Colin which is obviously mm-hmm. not what we want because he is he is the star but yeah it's a shame it's a shame
0: yeah
2: just just FYI Medici is a British Italian co-production oh, there we go so we have but to be fair Medici was also it's also a lot more recent and it, is. it like when I watched this I don't think that i'm watching a british tv production i'm i think that i'm watching an american tv yeah, that show is true. that is true so um,
1: have we kind of covered everything we want to cover with edwin i believe so unless
2: connor has anything else to add um
0: not really i was thinking about edwin. the parents practicing dark magic and i think it again has to go with we don't understand the time frame like if this has been well into the purge they could have been practicing dark magic to protect themselves it's just a thing yeah and like, this video game series, Dragon Age, has a lot of, oh, blood magic is terrible, never use blood magic, and then any time there's a character who's using it, it's because they're afraid, or they're being abused in some way, and they can't find a way out. So I wonder, like, were they actually practicing dark magic? Were they using it as a last resort during the purge? Like, but, you know, we don't have that background. We didn't get those, like, little flashbacks into how they behaved, so was it in their nature or was it a self defense with no way out mm. yeah
2: well merlin likes to be very black and white
0: that's true yeah
2: so if the if the story tells us these characters are evil we are supposed to take this at face value and they did actually do evil things that we as a modern audience also wouldn't condone
0: especially season is
2: how i think we are supposed to approach this and not think in Shades of Grey and, like, okay, why were they using evil magic? No, we're supposed to be like, no, they were yeah. evil. <laughs> Make them burn.
1: Yeah, <laughs> at this point, anyway, I think by the time we get to, yeah. um, like, the more Mordred parts of the story and Morgana, like, because obviously Morgana is the main villain in Season 3, but Morgana is also one of our protagonists and so I do think when we get there Merlin wants us to kind of start second guessing um our our morals a bit in the sense of oh well maybe she's doing it because she has no other choice and then by the time we get to season five you know we have the whole Mordred element and I do think Merlin does throw us some moral curveballs our way I mean even in season one we have the whole you know should we kill Mordred knowing like the audience knows yeah. much, like the audience knows much more than Merlin. Determinism yeah yeah exactly and so but in this case I think like we're making a big deal of it because we're (laughs) recording an episode on male villains of season one but Edwin is a side (laughs) side character like he's so far removed from position of protagonist that he's just like like his backstory is black and white and that is that but I do like finding nuance because it just makes it more interesting and I like your idea Connor that maybe they were kind of you know, pushed to breaking point in a hopes to maybe save friends of theirs or save their son, um it definitely makes me sympathize with them a lot more, that's for sure,
0: yeah, but like agreed, it's yeah. just Edwin who's there for like a minute and then he dies, and we never ever talk about him again, so it's kind of like,
2: yeah, <laughs> I'm
0: just curious
2: <laughs> like that's the same with pretty much every single episode character, mhm, yeah. The arc is done and we never talk about them again.
0: Like, even if they're exactly. super important to Merlin, like, well, yeah. When do we? Okay, Freya comes back every once in a while, but like, still, <laughs> she's huge. And then he's like, "All right, moving on." Like, what?
2: <laughs> she comes back she's twice. Once. Yeah,
0: twice. I think twice. Like, yeah, cause she twice. comes back in. uh I don't remember exactly.
2: I can see her in the water in season three.
1: No, would no. Well, no, once she. Yeah. She, she comes back once and then her hand we're supposed to believe is her hand but really it's you know see
2: like, i never thought that was her no hand. one did because it's a man's hand <laughs> everyone thought that was Arthur's hand
1: it's clear it's clearly a man like there's no excuse way- you that's very transphobic of you <laughs> we know it was a man <laughs> that was doing that shot we were told i'm just saying so i'm just
2: like fuck that like that's freya's hand please yeah it's i mean no one like regardless of uh who you know shot that shot that moment i watched that and i never for a moment thought about freya because we haven't seen freya freya in two seasons at that point no one was thinking of freya everyone (laughs) was in there merlin and arthur just died feelings yeah. everyone thought it was fucking Arthur. yeah okay so all episode seven of season one the gates of avalon he is the presumably evil murder uh she fairy who murdered other she and therefore got exiled into the human world alongside with his daughter which honestly is just unfair on Sophia to punish her for something her dad did.
1: Yeah. It is, it is unfair. And I'm really curious as to how the she law work that like she's also punished. It's it's sort of like the opposite of what happened to Edwin. I imagined Edwin to die and he didn't and Sophia shouldn't be included in this punishment, but she is. (laughs) And it's really bizarre. But I'm really curious as to why like so he took the life of another she. And I'm really curious as to why. Like, he doesn't strike me as a particularly violent guy or, like, menacing. Like, like maybe it was self-defense. Do you know what I mean? Like, because he seems very, like, eager to put things right. So I'm just trying to figure out, like, perhaps it was a bit of a misunderstanding, you know? Like, maybe it was an accident.
2: I mean, he only wants to, wants to put things right to get his daughter back in there.
1: Yeah, because he knows that they will never let him back. Like, they've, like, like, he, he, he knows the rules, whereas Sophia doesn't. So I feel like if he were really a bad guy, he would just be like, yeah, I'm selfish. I want my daughter to live with me because I don't want to be alone.
2: Okay. But you can be, you can be evil and like a murderer and still have. Like a code of conduct, like a moral code that will tell you to do everything for the people you are loyal to.
0: Yeah, that's
1: true. That's true. I guess it's just like the way I don't know, like he he seems nice, is what I'm <laughs> saying. Like like he's played nice, but again, we're not really told anything. He we just saw the price for taking the life of another she is a, a mortal body, and that's Everything that we know yeah. about about him and that's it. I
2: hypothesized in the female villains episode that maybe Sophia was complicit, but we never get any confirmation of that in canon. But like, yeah, I'm just... Why is she being punished for something her father did?
1: Sophia is more villainous to me than he is in this episode. Like her behavior, like her demeanor and her attitude is way more uh aggressive and antagonistic in my opinion
2: than than his that's because she's an unhappy teenager yeah that's true
0: <laughs> we also spend a lot of time with her in that episode where Ulfric is just kind of like in the background even though he's like catalyst for what they're doing he's
1: he's like the Jonas of this episode <laughs> I can't wait till we get to have an episode all about Jonas for season
2: two. (laughs) Yay! We just had two episodes basically all about Jonas, as far as you're concerned. They were
1: not about Jonas! I was not allowed to let my Jonas uh, enthusiasm run too wild because we have a two-hour, 30-minute format. So I was like... Jonas, you'll, your time will come because I need some answers. <laughs> um, but yeah, Ulfric is essentially like the Jonas style sidekick, but far less interesting because he's not Jonas. He wishes he was Jonas. He's not. He doesn't have a tail. You
2: also wish he were Jonas.
1: I wish I was Jonas. I wish that I could, you know, have his kind of level of, you know, um, righteousness and... Comedy timing. uh, Yeah. Sorry, (laughs) did I bother you? Oh, no, what was the line? It was something like, uh, please, don't let me get in your way. It's just like, Jonas, can you just please take it down a few (laughs) notches? You're supposed to be incognito. (laughs) But yeah, Ulrich is very forgettable and but i do genuinely like the scene with him and sophia like by the lake when he sends her off and she realizes that he's not coming with her and yeah that is a like you know he is very much the dad like he is such a dad in this episode and he really cares for his daughter and i think yeah like you know but he's just not got any backstory just like everyone else
0: <laughs> oh what a twist
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh have some tea <laughs> Now can we talk about Kanan?
0: <laughs> You're like, that's it, all for done.
1: <laughs> Kanan the barbarian. <laughs> okay, so Kanan is part of the uh, um, Esoteric Mafia.
2: <laughs> I was, I thought you were going to say he is part of the Arthur Pendragon fan club. <laughs> <laughs> He's the president. <laughs> he's the president
1: he is also part of the arthur pendragon fan club um and yeah uh, no okay l- let's just be serious for five minutes and then we can talk about our head cannons. because Kanan is a bully a ruffian that's riding around and we don't know if he's just terrorizing this one village or terrorizing a bunch of villages but i'm really cu- like i am curious just as to kind of you know if if he used to be like a knight or why he's got these people following him, why he's got this kind of pull over, over people. And yeah, like how, how he's managed to kind of get so much control over a small village. And I get like, it's the whole, a bug's life thing with the grasshoppers and the ants, but it's just a bit like, I feel as though like, where, like where did you come from? Like, you know, what was your job before you became a professional thug? Like, why are you all of a sudden just doing this for a living? Like, coming in with your, it's harvest time! <laughs> like, It's just, anyone have any idea where where he came from before the moment of truth and his backstory?
0: Uh, well, with it's harvest time, I just visually saw, like, in my mind, his eyebrows go up and his whole face, like... <laughs> yeah, it, it does. <laughs> but, um, where'd he come from? Um... You want a backstory for a Merlin character? <laughs> yeah.
2: For a one episode Merlin character, an evil one episode Merlin character at that? <laughs> get <Seriously>. fucking day. <laughs> like, I
1: love it so um, much, but oh. <laughs> okay, let's just let's just get straight into it then. Like, let's get into the let's get into the tea because we discussed this in the moment of truth, but we have a feeling that maybe Kanan has a thing. An X thing going on with Matthew, like perhaps they were part of the same gang or perhaps they were something more. And Matthew decided to join a life of righteous farming and turned his back on Canaan's gang. And you you don't turn your back on Canaan's gang, (laughs) like it's do or die. And so now Canaan is ransacking the village because of Matthew. And that's basically where we have the moment of truth. And that was our headcanon when we did the the episode review. And I'm still sticking.
2: I'm so happy you re- you remembered that because I totally did not. It was your headcanon. <laughs> I know, but I- <laughs> not that you retold it, I remember it, but I did not yeah. remember it before.
1: Yeah. I have a yeah, I have a really annoyingly good memory for long term stuff, just not short- just not short term stuff, um but yeah, no like really not for short term stuff <laughs> at all, um, but yeah, I'm still sticking to that head canon. um, what about you guys? I think that's pretty I, much, yeah, I think that's pretty much canon
0: that works for <laughs> because the I, it's hard to come up with another explanation, um for particularly his. Focus on that character as well, like he's constantly going through like as Matthews the town leader or something, even though that wouldn't have been a thing for like, that town setup. But again, what is historical about this show? Nothing My brain Not is really. just separating it into like the like surfs and things are like, wait, that doesn't work here because nothing works here.
1: Um. yeah serfs <laughs> were only really a thing in russia like you didn't really have serfs <laughs> in in, right. a, in a early medieval england it was yeah. just kind of the feudal system yeah um but yeah i i find kanan to me is one of the more comedic villains like unintentional comedic villains because
2: pendragon
1: It's not like it's before it's not even that. It's like I said his first line is it's harvest time. (laughs) And then, you know, how they're just like we kept the bare minimum. We took all we need to survive. You can take everything else. Survive (laughs) It's like Can you please stop? (laughs) Survive. He has a Disney villain. I'll be back in one week, Farmer. (laughs) It's just like, you know, like, don't pretend like you don't know his name, Kanan. We know what's been going on between you two. He calls him Farmer, like, we won't know, (laughs) you know, and it's just like, I'll be back in one week, Farmer, and I want to see the rest of it. And it's just like, oh dear. But like, I don't really, I mean, why didn't he just take what he wanted right there, unless he's trying to? play mind games with them in which case he has a lot more time on his hands than we gave him credit for <laughs> huh
2: well because they must be keeping like they have to come back
0: for when arthur is arriving at the same time that's why uh, they have to yeah <laughs> <of course. laughs>
2: nothing nothing else makes sense because like in a week they have more time to hide, hide <laughs> to run away to find a different place to
0: live yeah it's not like they're going to grow more crops, like, in a week.
1: It's almost like the plot must progress somehow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Kanan, Kanan is absolutely ridiculous. Arthur thinks that he knows what he's talking about because he tells us, I know Kanan's kind. Do you? <laughs> Do you really? You don't seem to me like the gang type unless we're talking about a different sort of gang, but I'm not gonna get into that. But, um, um Oh really? that shocked you? That shocked you. Nothing's shocked. I don't me. even know which one of you is laughing. I can't tell because I don't have a left and right feet. Oh god.
2: Connor is laughing. I'm eating.
0: Just say uh, that ju- You're uh, so aghast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jesus Christ. Also,
2: no one is shocked, Rogs. No one. Yeah, no.
1: <laughs> he, no, he sounded like he did like a shocked sound, but it could just be the connection, I don't know. <laughs> but um yeah, so Arthur isn't really a gang type, I think. He is a palace type with feed me grapes while I read poetry type. He doesn't know much about gangs. He doesn't know about, you know, how they live on the street.
2: He also doesn't know anything about fucking poetry.
1: He doesn't know anything about Canaan, more specifically, (laughs) who is a poet in his own right, really, because, you know, it's like, Harvest Time is his favourite poem. Um, So, shall we talk about the showdown then between Arthur and Canaan? Yeah, Arthur and Canaan, because it's like, it's it's probably like i don't even know if this is the most backstory we get for canaan but we can read between the lines that clearly he's he's got something to prove and that is you know he seems to know exactly who arthur (laughs) is because of his (laughs) proclamation of his last name not his first name but his last name so you know that things are serious and um yeah not even matthew was given the you know the treatment of being called by his name he was called farmer so canaan really has it in for arthur and shows up with and I, I will you know let you do the honors to do the raw
2: pendragon <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you have to like do the fist as well pendragon <laughs> and arthur's just like ah, might as well <laughs> 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 i've got nothing better to do literally just start fighting him but to be fair Caden, for all of his like shit villainry, manages to kill someone i <laughs> mean like a side character he manages to kill a side character excuse you oh here we go
2: how dare you call our best boy will a side character even though he only shows up in this one episode and is never mentioned again look <laughs> look
1: I don't want to be the one to break it to you. Then don't. But Will but Will, <laughs> Will, is not part of the main cast. I refuse.
2: Will,
1: Will, is, um, Will is the character that's like, yeah, you guys go do your protagonist thing. I'm just going to stay here in my side character thing. No. That's Will, Will is the character
2: who's like, Hey, why are the protagonists coming to where I live? I kept away from them. Shit, now I'm dead. Oh
1: god. Yeah. He's a red shirt. And also, <laughs> like, Will, I feel like is actually trying no, sorry, Will is trying to convince Merlin, who is upgraded to protagonist, to come back down to side character with him. Mm-hmm. He wants he 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 wants Merlin to be an you know, let's face it, kind of mediocre like him. And I love Will, but Will was not willing to go out there and make the most of the world. Will was very happy to just, you know, sit in his farmhouse.
2: Will was just not willing.
1: Will was very happy just to sit and mope with his chickens and his father's like stabbed armor um, just hanging there in his house. For fuck's sake. Will, please,
2: can you not? Clearly, we need to have a whole episode just about Will.
1: It fuels him. Will's arrogance is the real villain of season one. The whole,
0: the whole season, oh, God
1: the whole season (laughs) fuels everything it's a
0: shadow over Camelot Um,
1: well I mean Kanan is essentially a cackling villain from a from a Cartoon Network (laughs) show so I don't really know what to say about him but he um he manages to get one final hit with our darling boy Will just as he's dying so clearly he and Uh, Mary Collins went to the same school of villainy because they both managed to just get one last thing except this time Merlin wasn't able to slow down time and move Will out the way which to be honest I feel like if he could do it with Arthur a split second why did the plot forget and not let him save Will's life? Hmm.
2: I think you have the answer to that question
1: but i suppose the plot must progress somehow (laughs) yeah like will needed to die in order for merlin's secret to remain safe oh god that's the real villain in this episode anyway but yeah i mean (laughs) canaan canaan he was also running what else can we Kanan was extra. less than a side character. Yeah, Kanan, Kanan was, was just essentially extra. Yeah. <laughs> kan- Kanan was extra and he was an extra. No, sorry, they like to be called supporting artists now. But not um, in 2008, yeah. maybe. No, uh that's a that's a huge deal for them now, apparently. Yeah, they, they get paid a lot of money, actually, bastards. Um but uh yeah, like £250 a day. Are you fucking kidding me? Just to stand around and do nothing. Um but uh he I mean, Kanan did more than nothing.
0: He shouted dramatically.
1: <laughs> Kanan is a named character with lines. He is not <laughs> actually an extra in my life. <laughs> um, but yeah, Kanan, um, I mean, what else can we really say about Kanan that we haven't already? I feel like we need we need to come up with like an entire backstory, because we've hyped him for his own episode for Male Villains of Season 1, so he deserves a backstory. Where, where are his wife? Where are his kids? If he have any? I want to know.
2: Since when does he have a family?
1: Well, I feel like we need to create one for him because clearly his love story with Matthew was never meant to be. (laughs) Maybe that's why he steals all the
2: food. To fill the void in his heart. Because he has a million children to feed. Maybe, maybe he steals it because he's fighting back against the capitalist feudal system... I know that's... Kanan, are you telling me that
1: Kanan is actually Robin Hood?
2: Yes. (laughs) We have the crossover of my dreams right now.
0: We're just seeing the wrong side.
2: (laughs) Except, you know, he steals the poor to give to the poorer.
0: (laughs) To the (laughs) worse (laughs) off.
1: Yeah, Kanan, I... I don't think you know how capitalism (laughs) works. You shouldn't be stealing from the poor to give to the even poorer.
2: (laughs) He thinks, you know, maybe in his warped little mind, he thinks that by stealing from the people of Ialdor, he's actually harming uh, Sandrid's big... Capitalist machine. (laughs) Yeah, he's just, you know... That's clearly that's clearly how that works. What industry is this? Disposable
1: side characters? <laughs> is that the industry that, Ke- that um, Sunrid is involved in? Just churning out disposable, jealous boyfriend side characters yeah. that are going to die within one episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose that's a good backstory. Kanan is actually uh, a misunderstood vigilante. Who is out there trying to do the Lord's work in some way or another? So, who's he get? So, who are the people poorer than the Eldor that he's giving the food to? Orphans,
0: orphans,
2: orphans. clearly, but
0: not the Eldor
1: orphans, <laughs> orphaned by Uther's purge,
2: yeah, Ed, the, Edwin, the Edwins of the world. <laughs> Never mind that they're all adults now. <laughs> that's 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 he's going. Well, there's always there's always new Edwins. of the, I mean, look at Mordred.
1: <laughs> He's going back in time and giving <laughs> the food to the to the orphans from Listen, the okay,
2: listen. <laughs> Since the actor is also on Star Trek Deep Space 9 and that show had really a flair for doing time travel episodes that go back in time, this might very well be true. Maybe he is in truth Julian Bashir only undercover as Canaan and he's fulfilling something that's going to come to pass in the 24th century and if he doesn't interfere now and do this then you know the world as he knows it in the 24th century won't happen. That's why he's so dramatic. Is he as extra in <laughs> Deep Space Nine? Um, he's a different kind of extra in deep space nine but yes
1: i mean i don't think anyone could be as extra as kanan really like he's just on a
0: different level he sets the
2: bar (laughs) he's just on a different level completely um but yeah but also julian is actually like a super genius he's very smart
1: kanan is not very smart
2: that's just julian being a good actor
0: good yeah that was my thought because i don't think he's particularly good in this role survive no
2: i mean julian the character is being a good actor
0: as canaan as canaan
1: not the actor doing a good job as (laughs) canaan
2: it's like the actor is playing julian who's playing canaan it's get it gets very confusing at some point
1: well, I have a headcanon about that piece of jaw that he wears around his neck, which we also see on Kendrick in Lancelot and Guinevere. And you know where I'm going with this. Kendrick was Kanan's rebound after Matthew. <laughs> and Ke- and Kendrick found Kanan's dead body in the Eldor after he went looking for him, and they bonded over their thug history, right? They're like gang, gang, you know, past. And he found him lying there dead with all the hope gone out of his eyes. And he took the piece of jaw from his uh, love and decided I will wear it in honor of Canaan. And that will be and that will be. And, you know, he also died, of course. So now I feel like that piece of jaw, whoever shall wear the piece of jaw, is destined for death essentially but i feel like kendrick definitely took that off of Kanan to wear as like a as like a memento because you know
2: true love that's what otbs do
0: his yeah, love true love will always
2: uh win <laughs> in, in merlin except when they both die
1: i would rather both die than just one die
2: i've always said this mm. You mean like with Merlin and Arthur, where just one of them died?
1: Yeah, but it's like, yeah, but people say to me like, oh, the notebook, oh, it's so sad. And I'm like, I'm not being funny, but I don't think you understand what that word means. Because like, these two people who ended up living an incredibly long life with a very happy marriage, die together in their sleep on the same day. I feel like that's a very happy
0: ending.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, what is the matter with you? So I'm just like, yeah, that's, you know, for me it's sadder to watch stuff like, yeah, Cold Mountain, Titanic, Moulin Rouge, oh, Ireland, where one, where one half of the of the pairing is dead and the other one has to live on and find meaning in their life just by carrying their memory as if they were still alive. And that's the real tragedy here, you know like like kendrick having to do with caiman he's carrying that jaw as if it was his heart and he's and then he dies i think that he just lost the will to live to be
0: honest with you right that was it he just couldn't go forward (laughs)
1: he just couldn't go on anymore he was like hengist i think i'm i think i'm ready for this to be the end <laughs> that's it i'm thinking about kate like all of these ruffians fighting it just it just brings it all back it just makes me think of kane and then when he used to fight and i can't i can't i can't carry on i think i, I think it's time
0: this is i approve all right perfect <laughs>
1: <laughs> i didn't ever promise that this episode would make any sense whatsoever
2: <laughs> oh we never promised that i never i never promised that ever the only thing we kind of maybe promise a little bit is to have fun and that rocks will talk about coffee at least once
1: <laughs> coffee, coffee or coffee
2: <laughs> coffee
1: oh i have to mention coffee at least once yeah. Is that kind of like the Melissa M- M- bingo?
2: <laughs> I mean, if there were a Melissa and bingo, then yes. That would, that would definitely be on there. Rox mentions coffee. And mean Rox
1: mentions Rox mentions any other fandom except <laughs> Didn't Amp call me out on that? Amp dragged me through the mud and being like, oh, Roxanne's talking ugly again. I'm like, do you think you can judge me?
2: <laughs> and the thing is, we cut out a lot of the times when you don't talk about Melan on this show.
1: Oh, all of it. So no one knows.
2: <laughs> no, Yeah, or like, Alex refuses to talk about Merthyr, would also be on the bingo now.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. <laughs> we should make a Melissa bingo for people to play.
2: I will make a Melissa bingo. I will make one.
1: For
2: p- yeah, for people to play yeah. at home. That would be really I'll make cool. one. I'll put it on my to do list.
1: Connor, I expect you to fill his. I expect you to play. I will fill it immediately. <laughs> I will share it everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, Connor. I can't. You're <laughs> <It's> so sweet. <laughs>
0: Oh, like guys, guys. Connor
1: is <laughs> literally
2: like a little marketing manager. So sweet. Listen, that's awesome. We need one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Alright, we have one more villain to talk about. We do? Yes. Yeah. How many fucking villains are <laughs> in this season? Oh I thought Kanan would be the, the, the big finale. <laughs> like, no. There is still Torin. Yeah, from episode one twelve to kill the king. Boring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this
1: episode is a shamble, So I'm like, oh, there's more. <laughs> I watch the show. I <laughs> <laughs> That's all. Well, I actually see Torin as the hero <laughs> of that
2: episode. That's why I find it difficult to relate. Ooh, you have to elaborate on that, please
1: oh, well, you know, I feel like he's out there fighting for humanity and fighting for the, you know, magic people. And he's really just a torchbearer for the good of mankind. I don't see how you could possibly class him as a villain.
2: You definitely didn't bring him up when we were talking about, you know, male side characters of the first season. So clearly you're full of shit.
1: I was clearly blinded by his greatness and I forgot all about (laughs) it.
2: Maybe we should make a single episode just about him to satisfy your needs.
1: Listen, he wouldn't be able to satisfy my needs at this
2: point, so I wouldn't worry about it. I feel like we're not talking about the same thing anymore.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's great. All right, let's talk about Tori. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) So Torrid is uh, is another uh disposable side villain that's got it improved. Uh take a shot. And um he uh he's trying he's he's going about things uh the smart way, TM, by uh stealing gold in order to buy an army because he knows that people can be bought rather than convinced. Which, you know, I guess he's right. Although he is very short-sighted because um, when your loyalty lies with money, you will always uh, go to the hand that feeds you the most. So as soon as Torin isn't paying his soldiers the most, they will go elsewhere, which is why you need to have loyalty above greed. That way you will be able to command a powerful army. Attack on Titan. To be fair,
2: (laughs) Torin isn't stealing the money. He's making the money, the gold.
1: Yeah, but he. Okay, fine, but it's stealing from nature.
2: There you go. <laughs> it's just alchemy, frogs. That's all it is.
1: Well, I didn't see him give anything back. I've seen FMA, I know how it works. I know
0: equivalent exchange.
2: <laughs> he, he didn't lose enough. <laughs> he still got all his limbs. <laughs> That's because he didn't try to bring back someone's soul, he was just trying to make gold. You don't know. I mean, I do know because he has all his <laughs>
0: letters <laughs> just gold and lays out his plan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> of course, he does. He's a villain. In How Roland, yeah. Would yeah. I know what's going on? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my god. Okay. At what point it's like, yeah, he's using his money to like buy his way into Camelot and like get up close to the king and then kill Uther, and then I'm like, and then, like, and then Arthur becomes king. Like, what is your plan here, like? you're just killing Uther? Because that's all he says. He's like, I gotta kill Uther. He also never exactly (laughs) says why. He's not a magical person, but he clearly knows about magic. So the question is like, was he part? Did he suffer from the purge? Is he just mad that people are being treated poorly? Like, what? He lacks all motive. It's pretty much just, hey, Morgana can be manipulative and sneaky and evil. So we'll show you this by giving you this random guy who has no clear motivation or a long game plan
2: to be fair the whole kill uther and then Arthur comes into power so what is a is a problem overall with more goes <laughs> like so many people try yeah. to kill uther and then it's just like then Arthur's gonna be king what did you actually gain
0: <laughs> exactly like and then he'll just be more mad at you for having killed uther <laughs> yeah
1: This is why they need someone like Scar and Merlin. He knew to kill both the father and the son.
2: (laughs) Right. Except he didn't properly do the job.
1: Although, okay, he failed because he had idiots as his uh, minions that, you know, didn't understand the word kill. They just thought let him run into the distance is the same thing as murdering him. Yeah. Like, oh he'll die out but...
0: there for sure. Okay. Yeah. Oh
1: <laughs> Jesus Christ. But yeah, so he, you know, Scar knew what was up, that you have to go after them both. And uh, unfortunately Torin and Morgos went to the same school of villainy. <laughs> um not the same school as Mary Collins and Kanan went to. This is a different school. <laughs>
0: this was not the drama school of villainry. <laughs>
1: but they were taught the same thing yeah they were taught the same things and it's very oh but are we sure that he's i mean but but didn't guys say that alchemy
2: is sort of like a type of magic in merlin it's like a
0: magic and a science yeah it's mostly magic because
2: i would assume that it's certainly regarded the same as magic like it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter to uther it looks like magic therefore it must be magic
0: yeah, I think that's even mentioned in the episode where it's like it looks so close to being magic that it kind of is. And the stone also reflects back the like blast that Merlin tries to send out, so it's more magical than it is scientific in this universe. Even if they're trying to play it up as being science, because
1: yeah, exactly.
0: How would that have worked?
1: <laughs> exactly. So I just I feel as though like it's fair to kind of call. Uh, but I, I again I didn't I didn't I didn't rewatch this episode, but. I think even I said when we did the review, I was like, yeah, like what is what is his motive? Uh Uther is corrupt, but like is he really causing you any distress in your day to day life or
2: is it because <laughs> In what way is Uther corrupt? Yeah, well, I su- I mean, okay, not like a corrupt, morally corrupt, not.
1: Yeah, no, sorry. Like he's not corrupt because he can't really be bought, but like he's a tyrant in right. in okay. some ways. You know he he uh, he enforces rules upon people that mean that they you know have to hide who they are, and even if they're not <clears> doing <throat> anything wrong, they could be killed. You know just by virtue of you know having magic or knowing someone who has magic. So yes, but I but it's like you said, Connor. We don't we don't actually find out. You know what? Where touring came from? Why he? Why he dislikes Uther, and what his deal is in terms of his motives? Yeah, it's uh, it
0: is very scary. higher motive and planning in Merlin.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's and and like and like what annoys me as well is that we have the same kind of story happening twice in exactly the same point in the season, in season one and season two, because then we have Alvar. Who is also like a magical person who wants to get back at Uther, and there's a magical crystal. But th- yeah, and it's like <laughs> it just seems like Morgana has like has the same story twice, and like
2: the only thing that's missing is that she didn't fall in love with Torin as well. <laughs> oh my god, I'm just I just this this John Mulaney joke just popped into my head. What? That's the same joke twice. <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly um so yeah. yeah it's definitely just but i mean we we already said that morgana's motives also in this episode because she can sort of be seen as an antagonist in this episode as well you know is kind of a, are very short sighted and yeah she's 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 just being fueled by her own anger in this yeah in this moment she's not being she's not really being fueled by logic is she but that's all morgana
0: she's grief stricken in this episode in particular and um angry for her friends but i think it does like i was watching it and thinking there is a moment when she's like giving her little speech to uther and then she turns and walks away and it's like the beginning of that morgana smirk that we just get constantly in season three it's like a really tiny hint of it. So I'm like, seeds of the smirk. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Like, this is the point. Wait, wait, wait.
2: Are you you telling me that there is some consistency, some continuity (gasps) there? (laughs) What?
0: Blasphemy.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Cannot believe I'm
0: hearing this, Connor. Well, it's the concept of like, were they just doing it because we're like, for season one was or, katie like,
2: just trying to out. do a different emotion on her face but that's just a default <laughs> setting
0: <laughs> was she trying to stuff out yeah but it does definitely give that kind of same like i noticed while watching it that it's that same thing that she does in season three which is like give a heartfelt little speech and then turn around and her face changes so um that was the only thing i could pick up is like how he would have torn himself would have been useful to us story-wise because he clearly has no plan at all.
2: Okay. What I want to do now that we've actually talked about all of them, all five of them, is rank them. And this time, Rox, I I prepared categories. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. I'm very grateful. So first category, I have two. The first one is best motive to be a villain or antagonist. From best to worst,
1: I mean, Edwin has to be number. I mean, I think Edwin has to be number
0: one. Like, surely has a motive,
1: yes. Yeah. And it's pretty, and it's pretty severe as yeah. well. Yes.
0: <laughs>
2: um,
1: followed followed by Ulfric, who also has the motive of wanting to protect his daughter, and that's why he's willing to murder a mm-hmm. human. Yeah. And then who are the other two? Um, Valiant and Kay Oh no, then Kane and I would say Valiant is third because
2: his motive is greed, which at least is a motive.
1: Greed, yeah. And torn. What makes his what makes his greed more important than Kanan's greed? Is it because he's less ridiculous? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) And also (laughs) I feel like
2: (laughs) I don't know. For for Kanan it's like I mean for Valiant as a single person, I can see okay, he's just greedy for money. But for Kanan, I'm just like why is he stealing these people's food like clearly it's more food than he can eat himself it's perishable damn it <laughs> And that too it's just like what are you doing Kanan?
1: <laughs> he's lost even Torin, with his weird ass motive at least has a plan <laughs> and has a Point to what he's doing, even though he doesn't have okay. a backstory.
2: So yeah. our our order uh, from best to worst motive is Edwin Alfric Bellion Torin Kanan. Yes.
1: Can Can I just point out that I never thought we'd ever have a conversation in which Edwin would come out on top? <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's That's just not something I foresaw. Okay. The second category is best execution of their villainous plan. Again from best to worst.
1: Well, Torin actually gets Morgana to go and like she she would have killed Uther had it not been for his emotional outburst, right? So
2: Yeah. And then she like Torin even himself gets close enough to do it, and it's just by Morgana's change of heart that he fails. Exactly. So I would say yes, Torin first. I would say Edwin second because he also yeah. owns, achieves his goal. And he goes very, yeah, really he's gross. being very clever the way he goes about it.
1: He is very clever, although I will say I think Ulfric go gets a bit closer to killing Arthur or having a hand in killing Arthur than Edwin does killing Gaius. But I guess you could say Edwin wins out because of his plan to infiltrate the castle. Yeah. As well. yeah.
0: well Edwin goes after Uther. Pretty much, first and foremost, like guys is just kind of in the way. Yeah, but Uther mm-hmm. is the main target, and he does get him to become paralyzed, and then I forgot about. <laughs> yeah, that. he like talks <laughs> him through the torture. He's like, "I'm gonna put this bug in you, and it's gonna slowly suck your soul. Have fun, you suck." <laughs> like, it actually gets there, yeah. which is like, and the only reason they can get stopped is because Merlin takes the bug out. So, like, yeah. if they hadn't interfered, or if guys had like been burned, Edwin would have won. And he also, his motivation was so clear that like, I don't have that question of like, then Arthur becomes king. Then what's your plan? Like Edwin just wanted to kill Uther for killing his parents. Yeah. And I think, so that makes him really close to finishing his goal as well. Yeah.
2: So would you put Edwin actually first?
0: Ah, oh, man. I don't know. Cause they both do get like,
2: I feel like hmm. the, the advantage to how Torin was planning to execute his plan Never mind. Um, never mind. How I worded that is that you know Morgana had to do all the heavy lifting, which is very clever, sure, yeah. of him. Like mm-hmm. he he just sits back and lets her do all the work until Uther is in yeah. position, and then, he, like, then he just has to to do the thing where he's Edwin actually has to do all the work himself.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So. <sighs>
1: Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I feel I I think Torin got, yeah, closer Closer. to achieving his goal than Edwin, but that's just maybe a matter of like, you know, splitting hairs. But yeah, like if it hadn't been for Morgana's change of heart. I mean we can put them on the same on the same level. That's true. And I guess Edwin managed to get
2: merlin all doe-eyed as well which which is quite difficult so then after them i would put valiant because he yeah he because he kills a, a dude yeah yeah and he's also very like if it hadn't been for merlin no one would have questioned it would have questioned it but merlin is being you know sneaky and also nosy and that's that's why Valiant gets found out. But other than that, he would have walked away with the money and been fine.
0: Yeah. And a new job.
2: And a new job. Yeah. Well, yeah. Maybe not. Once he killed Arthur, Uther might not have been so, you know, open to giving him a new job. But at least the money. But at least the money. Or executed. Because he would have <laughs> earned it. And Can- then
1: Ulfric has to be next right because yeah. he basically nearly succeeds in killing yes. arthur and then Kanan, who failed at stealing food from pen. is is well, like well he well he well he succeeded up until the point in which our protagonist intervened and then he got his ass handed to him yep. so <laughs> he he did manage to kill one person but that was not part of his original villainous plan so the execution of the villainous plan
2: yeah, and he also didn't plan to kill this person. Yeah. He planned to kill a whole different person. <laughs>
0: so he just kind of failed all over.
1: <laughs> I completely forgot. Like, I don't know why it was in my head that he was aiming for Will just now. Like, I just forget because it's so ingrained in my head that Kanan kills Will, but of course Will jumps into the line yeah. of fire. Oh my god. <laughs> 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 oh dear <laughs> Fake fan, fake fan.
2: So, I'm sorry. I forgot earlier that that we hadn't rated Ulfric yet. So, do we put Ulfric before or after Valiant? Or again same level? Oh. Yeah,
1: so it was Valiant Ulfric Kanan Yeah, right? but
2: but are we actually happy with this order? I'm going to yes. vote for yes. Yeah, I don't I know think. Exactly. Yeah, Okay, good. Good. So, it's Toran and Edwin in first place together. And then Valiant, Ulfric, again, Kanan comes last.
0: (laughs) I mean, mean, Kanan just sucks at everything. (laughs) He's not good at everything he's planned ever.
1: The only thing he doesn't suck at is getting revenge on his (laughs) ex-lovers.
2: That's true. Actually, yeah. Because he does... Matthew dies. All right. So, (laughs) let's have... um, Let's talk quickly a little bit about them in fandom and I'm going to start this off with the AO3 stats which I've accumulated on the 15th of November. So Valiant has actually 172 works tagged with his character tag and who wants to bet that he's the villain or at least a disliked character in at least 160 out of those? Because I'm sure that <laughs> yeah. the actual number That's is closer to 172 than 160 is. <laughs> um, there are three ships that are noteworthy. It's Merlin Valiant with 12 works. It's four Morgana Valiant works and two Arthur Valiant works. And I haven't read any of these 18 fics, but I can tell just from the summaries and tags of some of them that Valiant is either the abusive ex or current boyfriend. And I would take a stab in the dark and assume that in some of these Morgana Valiant fics, she's probably painted as a not-so-great character herself, which is why she gets to be with the bad Valiant. Like... That's definitely, Like, I've never once read a story in which Valiant shows up in which he is not some kind of thug or villain or bad guy. This is true. To the point where, I mean, I've said this before, but putting him in a story is basically a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> like, no matter how it, like, I know I've, I've told the story before, I don't know if it made it on the podcast before, but when I got back into the fandom in two thousand. 15, um, yeah spring 2015 I listened to the student prince and in that he is one of Arthur's bodyguards and I had forgotten who he was in fandom uh, in, in canon I had completely blanked on the fact who he was in the show because it had been so long since I'd last seen the show especially season one so when I listened to that part fake I was genuinely surprised <laughs> when he betrayed Arthur. Oh. Well, that was the only time I was ever surprised by Valiant turning out to be the villain.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh. Okay, that's my funny Valiant story.
1: I always enjoy that.
2: <laughs> All right, second. By the way, Valiant's character tag is Valiant, Merlin. I'm only mentioning this because Edwin's character tag is actually Edwin Mur- Murden, however you pronounce that last name. Um, he actually gets first name, last name, and not parenthesis Merlin behind it. He just gets the full name. That
1: must be a mistake, surely.
2: I'm I'm pretty sure he's the only character with that name, and that's why they didn't make the distinction. Right. I'm pretty sure... No author actually has Arthur Pendragon, parenthesis Merlin, but that's because there are several versions of Arthur Pendragon that you could put him in. Anyway, Edwin has mm-hmm. 109 works tagged with his character tag. And uh, again, three ships. There is 12 works for Merlin Edwin. There are two for Edwin Morgana. And there is one for Edwin Egrain. Which I find very surprising. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> um, yeah. That was my reaction. Um, I didn't look
1: further into this. I think we just start counting like on our hands and then we're like,
2: ah. <laughs> how do we um, um yeah. <laughs> And like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that Edwin has pretty much the same trajectory as Valiant pairings, or like just Valiant as a character, except that he is more creepy than just Violent. Like, Valiant is usually a Violent type, and Edwin is usually the creepy type. Yeah, which makes sense. Yeah, kind but of- also yeah. I would say that I have read fakes in which Edwin is a much more ambiguous character sometimes in... Like morality, or like how he's portrayed. Like I've definitely read fix in which Edwin is not an out and out bad guy. Hmm. So at least there's that, and that's one hundred percent because he's a magic user. Ah, like Bellin just has no redeeming qualities. He's not even a minority, but Edwin at least is a minority.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know when there's a good time to mention it, but, yeah, like, I think it's interesting to me that he's, like, a good guy in The Student Prince. He's, like, I think that's the only fic I've read him in. Um, uh, ironically, both him and Valiant are in that fic. <laughs> so, <laughs> I kind of, like, you know, uh, kills two birds with one stone. Um, isn't he, like, a friend of Merlin's, he's queer and he gets bullied by Valiant? No, so- no, Edwin is... Uh, uh, no, Cedric is the one that is uh, Merlin's uh friend who gets oh. gay bashed and Edwin is Merlin's uh kind of uh uh like fling thing that he has. He meets him so he meets him at the first gay sock and he bumps into Cedric and he's like, oh my God, he is flaming gay. And then he's a bit put off by him at first and someone else is like, oh yeah, don't worry about him. And then he goes and like sits on his own and Edwin is there like being like hey should I get you a drink or something and he's a little bit older and he's like less in your face and he's in and he's interested and he also oh yeah that's it he lets slip that he's also learning magic at St Andrews and you know he kind of is interested in Merlin and then before you know it they're like you know loitering about somewhere outdoors trying to get like some privacy and it's like you know (laughs) it's it's so yeah he's actually like you know one of Merlin's um, uh, boyfriends in the student prince and he's and I think he's even there when Merlin breaks Arthur's love spell from Sophia yeah. because Edwin's like oh you poor poor thing because he's older and he's like oh you're so in love yeah you're so, so young <laughs> so fucked yeah. Yeah. yeah and I feel like even reading that I, or like still like when I listen to it today I'm like it's so weird to me to listen to that thick because I know how much Edwin creeps me out and like if it wasn't Edwin if it was anybody else I'd be like this is l- great like Merlin's got this like hot Interesting guy that's like older, and he's like super experienced. And because it's Edwin, I'm like, Bleh. <laughs> <laughs> creepy Edwin with his creepy yeah. bugs. <laughs> I don't <laughs> like
2: it. Okay, so then Alfric. Alfric actually has works tagged with his with his character tags, and it's twenty works, two of which are in Chinese, which I find very interesting. But there are no ships for Alfric. He's doomed to be alone, poor man, just like in Canon, <laughs> Kanan. who wants to guess how many works are tagged with Kanan? Not enough,
0: <laughs> not enough. I like <laughs> just not enough figs. <laughs> <laughs> not enough.
2: They have twenty-eight works tagged with with Canaan, says Merlin
0: It's more than I thought
2: <laughs> and there is one Merlin kanan fig, oh. <laughs> Yep. And Kanan is, of course, the bad guy in that and Arthur saves Merlin from him. So there you go. (laughs) And then finally, Torrin has 17 works. Again, no ships for Torin. Not even Morgana. Yeah, I I was surprised too that there isn't even Morgana Torrin. Which would have been an obvious choice in my opinion, but no. There's not. I mean... That's not to say that there aren't fics in which they are like a background pairing but there's at least no tagged works with them. Not even just like you know a porn ficlet or anything. I'm just I'm very surprised by this as well. Okay, Do you guys want to say anything about like these characters in fanfiction other than how they are obviously always the bad people and that it's spoiled. Except for Edwin, well <laughs> <laughs> oh, Edwin sometimes is not exactly a super bad guy,
1: yeah uh no i don't I don't think I have uh anything anything else to add.
0: they don't come up a lot, so uh, there's not much no. for-
1: they yeah, period. they are not the villains that are the first ones to come I mean maybe in like like the reason why I bring up the student prince is because it's one of the most kind of well known. Things. but well actually hang on saying that because that was written just before season three came yeah, out i yeah. think and interesting that um she decided to use like so many season one characters actually now that i
2: think of it i mean it was mainly a retelling of season one with some stuff from season two like the whole that's true sweet
0: dream stuff yeah
2: true love's kiss breaks the spell kind of thing is from season two obviously but like there's a there's a focus on Sophia for example yeah characters from season one showing it's just yeah
1: yeah it's just interesting to me because yeah that like Valiant is such a you know like becomes a essentially like a like a pivotal villain Edwin being an an actual important character a good character um, it's a bit of an outlier, really, yeah, but um, I assume that they probably show up most in early thick as opposed to newer stuff, where I assume, well, I don't really, like, read much, like, hero-villain stuff in the Merlin fandom, but I would probably assume that in newer stuff it's probably gone <laughs> or something like that. But, um, yeah, Student Prince is definitely the outlier in terms of Edwin, for sure. Like, I can imagine in other stuff he's definitely a bit more steering towards the creepy yeah. side speaking of other stuff how we about we do some recs man mine was just going to be the student prince because it has both of them in it <laughs> that was pretty
2: much it apologies okay. connor do you have any
0: i have yet to at least find ones that they're interesting in yeah i agree with the <laughs> prince like because at least you got time with them like mm-hmm. you got to know them I can't even think of ones where they're briefly mentioned but also the same thing like I'm not reading ones that are geared towards any kind of big dynamics and if they ever come up they're usually like an ex or yeah. some unsavory character yeah. from the past I mean
2: that's a trend certainly and I mean they're, they're one off characters like I'm not making demands or like none of the none no one makes demands for them to have Bigger roles, you know. That's just how, how it is in fandom. I have two. Um, one of them is well, they're both by Paula Monkey, and one of them is called The Long Way Home, which is an older fig which I recently reread. And in this story, Kanan is Merlin's stepfather, who tried to pimp him out when Merlin turned 16. And then Merlin ran away and became a homeless teenager. And then, um, so the story focuses on Merlin, who as a homeless teenager is done unexpectedly, taken in by Uther. And the two of them form a pretty close father-son bond over the course of the story, which stretches a few years. And it ends in, like there is a Murther ending. So all you shippers, fear not. And but like for me the focus wasn't on on the ship, it was on, on you know the father-son relationship that Uther and Merlin begin, but there's also a significant amount of time spent on like explaining Merlin's backstory with with Kanan and I mean it's a bit of a disservice to Hunath to have put her with Kanan because I feel like Hunath has better taste than dad. But also it the, like it's certainly not the only time I've ever seen this plotline of Kanan being some kind of stepfather parental figure in Merlin's life in some capacity. So you know this is just one I I'd read recently. And the other one by Polar Monkey is and I'm sure I've read this before, in spite of everything, the stars which I did Potfic, and it focuses on Merlin and Arthur and, and their relationship. But I like that Edwin is not a villain in this one. He's been a mentor to Merlin and the lessons he taught Merlin kind of help Merlin get through the captivity. So for anyone who doesn't know, Arthur abducts Merlin and holds him prisoner for several weeks. And there are reasons why Arthur does this. And it's not because he's an evil person. It's It has ad- other reasons. Which you will find out when you read the story. Or listen to the part But anyway while Merlin is being held prisoner by him. He remembers a lot of the things that Edwin taught him. And that's part of what helps him get through this whole ordeal. And I really like that aspect of it. Okay, I wanted to find um, a set of fan art by I believe an artist called La Dirty and they were author of valiant not safe for work artworks but I couldn't find them the account on Tumblr has been uh, deactivated and I don't know where else to find them I know that the that the artist, I think, who is the artist behind La Dirty is still on Tumblr, but they're not posting their not safe for work art on their regular Tumblr. So I don't know how to go about it. If this rings a bell with anyone, I would love for you to link me to them because it's been a while since I have looked at these artworks and I remember them not liking them because of the pairing back in the day. But I'd be really interested in looking at the whole thing Co- including the context that they were posted in again sometime. Okay. I believe this has now brought us to the end of the episode. That is it. it. <laughs> so you can find or request fanwork recs from me on that's what Romotastic likes on Tumblr. Or you can find resources on how to create your own fanworks on Creative Agusa on Tumblr. I am Miss
1: Snowfox with an extra X on Tumblr. And you can follow both of my Instagrams too if you like Miss Snowfox and Miss Snowfox cosplays. Go follow me on that stuff for now.
2: Connor, do you want to share any of your social media links? Uh, um, sure. I'm
0: Bad Wolf Seal Everywhere, which is C H E L. So that's Tumblr and Instagram. Um, those are pretty much where I live. I don't post a lot though, so. <laughs> don't
1: you post stories a lot you post stories
0: yeah i post more stories and then i realize i should probably post like a post and then (laughs) you'll get one once every three months and then i'll go to a con and you'll get posts like every other day yeah there you go (laughs) that's it we won't hear from you for a year all right
2: guys our theme music was composed by sidesteppings exclusively for my Any additional music and sound effects you hear throughout the episode come from freesound.org. The man up on our cover was made by Brolin's Keep and the cover was made by me. Next time on Merlisten, listen, it will be yet another episode review. We will be talking about the seventh episode of season two, which is called The Witchfinder. Prepare for some admiration <laughs> of Charles Dance's acting abilities. Until then... I'm Momotastic. I'm Miss Snow Fox. And our guest was Connor. Hello. (laughs) Bye, guys.